Hey there, welcome to the More Simple Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Mo, and today I have a lovely guest on the show, and I cannot wait to explore this story. We met on Instagram, I think probably two, three weeks ago. And um, they told me, well, I got to know you through Ozzy. Ozzy is a fellow podcaster. Shout out to Ozzy. I think she had won yeah, the grand prize on my game show. And I think she did a shout out. And, you know, that's how I met um, today's guest. Now, her name is Ezania Oberton Nance. And she was born in Illinois. She grew up in Nigeria and currently resides in Louisville, Kentucky. She's about mm-hmm. the only Nigerian pressing that I know living there. I'm going to talk about that. I mean, I live in Oklahoma, so I shouldn't throw stones, but still, it's like a hockey. She's a pathology lab supervisor who's, who has also worked as a histotechnologist for over 10 years. That's like the first time I'm ever saying that word. I don't know what it means, but we're going to also talk about her career. She's the host of yeah. the podcast where she talks about faith, family, work, or trying to figure it out all out. She also has uh-huh. a blog on her podcast, which you should check out. And I'm going to put the link on the show notes. She's married to her best friend and they have two boys, a toddler and a newborn. Outside of working podcasting, she loves to keep busy by baking, cooking, and spending time with her family. Everyone join me in welcoming Izania to the podcast. Hey, Mo. Hey, hey, hey. Let's start with your name. I'm a, I have a big thing for names. Can you break Okay. I can, I can guess that your husband's last name is Lance, which is your last name. But where's Nigeria uh-huh. from and what does it mean and what does Obertan mean? Because it's the first time I'm saying this to names. Actually, the three names. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so, I, okay, I, my parents are from Cross River State. And within Cross River State, we have like little um, local government areas. And I am from the Yako local government area, or my parents are from the Yako local government area. So, Ezania is a very old name. And I'll pro, I mean, I'll be honest to say, I don't know the exact meaning, but when I asked my grandma, she said it means with God, all things are possible. Mm-hmm. So the Obete name is so old, I doubt if there's a meaning to it. And the ironic thing is that I have an aunt who's also an Obete. So it's a unisex name. So Ezan Obete is, I mean, Obetans mostly are, are people who are from Crush River State and from the Akoloko government area. And... If you find out, if you meet someone who knows the meaning, I want to know too, because I have no idea what the meaning is. I have no idea what the meaning is. And my dad is late, so I can't really ask him, so I don't know. (laughs) Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're a twin, right? I'm a twin. I have a twin brother, yes. Wow. Can you tell me what your twin brother's name is? Ibiang. You guys have quite Ibi. <laughs> yeah, it's an old name too. I B I A N G. So he pretty much goes by I B because being here, a lot of people are like, "So what's your name?" I, I what? I, well, I. Oh. So he just says my name's I B. Yeah, yeah. And for me, it's like lasagna. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you can say like, it's lasagna without the L. <laughs> that's what I always say. Cause 
correct. I would never remember that. I'm like, all right, this is a lasagna without the L. And that's oh. the process to getting it right when you say it. Other than that, it's just like, I'm like, uh. I've been called, what, Isaiah? I'm like, oh my God. American. It's not even spelled Get it right. right. Oh, the I'm going to just call you Bob. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, come on. But I'm like, I don't, I don't get offended easy. It's yeah. like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and let's let before we talk about how you grew up and all that, I just wanna do a bit of a historical moment here. Yeah, you being from Cross River mm-hmm. and given all that used to happen to twins yeah. before, you know, Slezo came and abolished that. I mean yes. you still consider the significance of yes. that. Now for those that don't know the context, way back in the days when twins were born yes. in, in Nigeria, they mm-hmm. they had this thing about mm-hmm. killing them, separating them by killing them because they thought they were it was it was an abnormal thing. It was an anomaly of nature. Mm-hmm. And then we had a missionary, I think Mary Slezo, who came and abolished yeah. that. So do you ever yeah. think about the significance of that, like if you were today? And- yeah, I do because the what my mom told us is my grandma back in the day used to be one of the people who would, I mean, I have never really asked her. And when she told me this, I was kind of like touched. My grandma would be amongst people who would go into the forest and pick up the kids and bathe them wow. because she wanted to have so my mom is okay well yeah Kerr, not ethics the ethics where i think where it was pretty prevalent in my grandma wanted to have twins but she never had any twins she thought by helping that would give her i guess rub off on her and so she would have twins and end up being my mom having twins so every time i think about it i always thought you know i would not have existed if not for mary Swesser. Mm-hmm. So just because she changed, I would say she changed the way people looked at twins. I mean, if you think about it, being a mom now, and I'm like, if you have twins, you're like, one and done. Sure, you got a boy and a girl. That's it. Close it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You don't have to do anything else. So they thought, they thought that people thought they were evil. Just kind of, I don't know, it's different. It's, yeah. 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 I, I highly recommend people to go read about that history and so much how far we've come. So tell me about your childhood growing up in Nigeria, your family, your siblings, yeah. and the f- um, fondest memories you have of growing up in Nigeria. And how, how long were you in Nigeria for? I was in Nigeria almost 20 years. So we, um, so I think growing up in Nigeria, we have, my, my family also were pretty close. I have two brothers and I'm the only girl sandwiched in the middle. So I have my twin who's older. I always see older by three minutes after that I can do whatever I want. Um, so I have a twin brother and a younger brother who actually passed away last year. Oh, I have my mom said I was Oh, thank you. Um he was he was sick and yeah. Long story. Mm-hmm. Another time. So um so my mom's side of a family was pretty close. My mom comes from a large family of eight. So I grew up with cousins and the house always had cousins and friends of cousins and friends of my brothers there's always something going on i mean that was always full so i think my fondest memory is i think going home for christmas my grandparents lived in the village they had my grandpa had worked and had retired and went to the village um with uh, my grandma so when the holidays came around everybody we had my all his kids eight of them would all show up in the village and we would have Christmas, I guess. Oh, wow. We'll see cousins we haven't seen in a long time. I remember one time because, well, grandma was, if you're here, you're working for your food in that <laughs> you did dishes or you fetch water or you swept the house. There was no, 
grandma is in the kitchen doing all the work kind of thing. So I remember one time helping grandma in the kitchen and we counted out the dishes that were laid out. It was 25 plates laid out wow. for people, number of, number of people in the house. So, and I mean, with that, we we're like, okay, what's going to happen? I mean, grandpa, his kids had all gone. They had just built a new house. He converted one of his living rooms to the dormitory for the grandkids. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was more like still things are being moved into the house. We were like, all right, dude, first come, first serve. If you, if you end up being the first one in the room, you get the top bunk or the lower bunk, you choose. And then the younger cousins, which are uh, cousins of my mom's younger siblings, who were just being party trained, like, well, I, w- I haven't seen you a long time, I want to spend a day with you. Can I sleep on your bed? Like, uh-uh, if you wet the bed, you're not coming to be on my bed, kind of thing. But I mean, we spent time, it was fun just having everybody around and just catching up on school, catching up on just that, I think, is one of my fondest memories, just Christmas time with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that because, you know, moving to the U.S., I realized that my idea about what Christmas would be in the U.S. was just, mm-hmm. you know, a fairy tale that I watched in the movies. Nothing Thank really you. big, nothing really big Christmas in Nigeria. I mean, we yes. didn't have much. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, whatever we had was, it's like when you spend time with your cousins and you had a uh-huh. travel, you're, you know, uh-huh. you have to like make up, the sleeping arrangement wasn't quite ideal because, you know, uh-huh. Corner and then sleep, you know, maybe on the floor with, a, with your little rapper. But it was a fun yeah. activity. It was a together. Yes. It was a prank you play, and I, you know, I go back. Yes, the pranks. Oh my yeah. gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, the pranks. Mm-hmm. Yes. And God bless you because if you're like, I, I'm <laughs> my household, but when I'm in my country, uh-huh. I'm, I'm very close to the lower part of the totem pole. So of course, uh-huh. you know, my hierarchy kind of diminished, and I was like now the one of the youngest. So I had. And they were, you know, the, the house church, they were divided based on age. And it wasn't really fun, you know, having to do all of the work. But then, you know, there were other things that my mother made up for it. So, so yeah. you you were born in the U.S., right? But you did move back Correct. to yeah. How did that Correct. transition work? Um, we were... Uh, sorry, I keep saying we, because most you times it's me and my So, um, how did it transition? I, I don't really know much, but I, the little bit... So, when we left, I guess, my parents... My dad was in grad school in here in the U.S., so that's what I've heard. He was in grad school, and my mom was here. Uh, when we moved back, we were about three or four, about the age of my my toddler right now. So I don't know too much. I think the only time we made kind of clicked or kind of was different was when I remember in secondary school we had to bring our birth certificates and stuff, and um, I had I couldn't find. I was like, Mom, I need my birth certificate. Is required. And she pulled out this uh, Memorial Hospital. I was like, uh, what does that mean? Because, you know, you talk about it, but you never really think it. Yeah. Until when I had to literally take my the paperwork from the hospital we were born into school. And she's like, guard this with your life. Do not lose it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. So, and I showed it to the guidance counselor because we were, I, don't, I can't even remember what we're doing. And he was like, oh. So, that was when it actually kind of clicked and... I think my mom, my, what my mom did was having lost her dad and everything that was going on, her goal was for us to blend in like normal, not to relate that differently. Mm. So she pretty much, we didn't talk about it as much. So when we saw pictures, we were like, oh, really? Oh, look at that. That's not, oh, wow. Kind of thing. But other than that, it was pretty normal. We did everything all the kids did. There was no such thing as you got professional treatment. If you went, where everybody went to fetch water, you went to fetch water. <laughs> if everybody cleaned with the room, we all did that. So there was no such thing as 
you're different or you're more special than the others. Everybody is treated normally. And my grandparents treated us all the same. If you misbehave, you got the whooping. If you yeah. did good, he encouraged you. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. How old were you when you lost your dad? Oh, three? Okay. Oh, it's quite young. Yeah. 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 And my mom never remarried, so. So we always threatened, Mom, if you bring in a guy who didn't like you, we'll make you miserable. But I don't think it is. And you wonder why it's going to be So you, 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 you grew up in Nigeria and then you stayed up until your 20s and then you moved back to the U.S. What, mm-hmm. what was the catalyst behind your move back to the U.S.? And did you meet any of your expectations? So when we moved, we moved back because, okay, so I think two major things happened. When my two brothers got out of um, secondary school and we took the work and everything, their school went on strike, they withheld the results, um, they were on strike, and it was one year after the other, and my mom was like, enough is enough, so you're going back. Well, like, what do you mean you're going back? Because like, I don't have the money, but it's something you, you won't go back. So we ended up being, all right, start looking into, I mean, we didn't even look elsewhere except Look at the college your father went back, went to school. So that's how we started looking. It ended up being that's the same city we were born, which then I didn't put two and two together. I mean, you know when you're in Nigeria, everything yeah. is just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you don't even yeah. like, start looking. That was the first time I actually went to, we didn't have a computer at home. Here it's like, what? What, what did you say? <laughs> so that was the first time I went to. And there was no Google. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. There was no Google. It was good old Yahoo, man. I had a yeah. I saw that Yahoo email account. Don't answer my junk yeah. email. Um, I, I went to I went to a computer um, center. Cyber we started, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sat, there you go. I started googling the name of. Uh, I googled the name of the college my dad went to. So we tried and we applied. And uh, we actually, then I didn't know the difference between being an American citizen and international student. To me, yeah, they're all one and the same. Yeah, institution and all So we reached out to the school. To my surprise, they responded to they responded to the email. I, I went home. I was like, Oh my gosh, mom, we'll get an email back. We'll get an email back. I mean, we had to go back like every other week to check the email because, like mm-hmm. I said, we didn't have a computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, when you, we pay, got, you pay maybe hundred dollars or one twenty, hundred and twenty naira for an hour. Mm-hmm. You get a little mm-hmm. bit of a ticket to type in the code. Mm-hmm. And yep, yep, yep. So you know, you know the. I things. used to yep. sleep in cyber cafes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was so terrified of computers. Then I was like, oh, oh my god, I embraced it. <laughs> yeah. So we we head back from them, and as I can see now, it's time to pray and fast because we need the money to go. Yeah. And God provided it, and we we came. And, but transitioning was not it was a little bit difficult because I was like, oh my God, I'm dressing like I'm from. You know how you see you see you international students. You can always tell. International students. Yes, super JJC because <laughs> super Just sheltered. Mm-hmm. Yes, super mm-hmm. sheltered mm-hmm. and. We we was mo- we were more of a family thing. Everything I knew, everything I did was with my family. I didn't travel much. Uh, I mean, so it's like you stepping out. This time it was just me and my brother, and we're like, oh my god. So it's been it's been almost two decades since then. Mm-hmm. So if you could go mm-hmm. back in time and you know a little bit of a hindsight for those that are just going into the into their new phase of transitioning to America, 
What are some of the tips you like to give them? Um, don't be afraid. You, you can do this. You can do this. Um, if you, is it, reach out to people. The lady who helped me was actually, um, the person in charge of the English is a second, they call it Cecil then, mm-hmm. second language department. Her name is Joy. She's still friends with me up, up till now. So I was, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know a single soul. I would go to the office and just sit there, like for real. Hi, Joy. How are you doing? What's going on today? I just sit. She was like, uh, I think you need friends. <laughs> so she introduced me to other Nigerians. And the other Nigerians introduced me to, I guess, the church group. I met other students. And that's how I, be- I began my, is it assimilation? Mm-hmm. Process. Mm-hmm. So if you, I would say, don't be afraid to ask questions. And just pray, I guess. I would say I got blessed because the people I ended up meeting and helped me. Joy led me to other Nigerians because I had no idea where to meet them. I, I mean, well, okay. And the other thing was coming in, I came in thinking I was an international student, right? We were taking classes, we took the TOEFL test, and they're like, what, you're American, you don't need this. So that put us in a totally different bracket. The international student, um, yes, the other thing, when you come in, look for the international student office. Ask them for if you guys, if they have a Nigerian group or they have a African, Korean group, or African, African group, group, Asian group, ask for that. They would help you tremendously. I had no idea. And coming in, they're like, oh, you're American citizens. I had no help. We figured out stuff the hard way, honestly. But my other friends who had been here and had been here that were the ones who knew the steps and what to do. I'll give you an example. So we found a dorm, and while we were staying there, I would down Nigeria straight. Girl, I got $900. <laughs> For real. I had $900 phone bill. Wow. I'm telling you. That's a money. lot of money for, for, for yes. that time. Yeah. Yes. Even till now, it's making me mad. I know the ladies who were in charge of that place, they did not say anything, girl. Okay. I'm venting. I'm it's not okay. going to vent. I, I can get, I, I, I'm, I'm paying on your behalf. I'm like, oh my goodness. How stupid was I? But I was so homesick. I dialed straight to Nigeria. <laughs> we talked for hours and then I see the phone bill. It was a Japanese student who saw us. He's like, are you guys crazy? Never took us to the international grocery store yeah. and introduced calling us to calling cards. Yeah. Well, they saved my life. For real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just Reach out to other people. Look for the international um, student office. They will yeah. help you. Yeah. And um, Google. We, I guess, thank God for you, what you're doing. Thank God for OZ. I'm yeah. telling you, if I had what I have now, I think I would be in a very, uh, well, I would have been in a better place then. Because mm-hmm. I was very homesick. It was not even funny. Oh, wow. Thanks for saying that. And I guess, you know, to add to that is, finding community wherever you go and this is mm-hmm. one of the biggest tips i give people who are trying to migrate to other countries to like um school there is make sure mm-hmm. your school has something of a semblance of what's yes. called an international office like a yes. school welcoming foreign students that are an international office whatever it's called yes. yeah don't just yes. forget it no matter how much they're offering you in tuition like it's not, you know, worth, it. It's not worth it because it has to have your back they're like your mm-hmm. your liaison between the system and your system as well 
and and mm-hmm. you know and of course you know now we have facebook groups there's always a community mm-hmm. out there so so go find your people out there and yeah. i used to say that one of my favorite groups of people to interact with in the u.s are international people yeah the, the food the language you speak mm-hmm. the feeling of never being here nor there and just that common mm-hmm. experience regardless where they're from be it iran iraq yeah. korea china we all you know long for that sense of home and even some mm-hmm. americans that you know have been especially those that work with international students they've yes. to a degree become more they speak international languages as far as you know cultural mm-hmm. curiosity and understanding and patience mm-hmm. i it's, it's just it's such an easy breezy connection i have with them because they get it i don't have to like explain much i don't have yes. to you know switch my code and speak slowly mm-hmm. because somebody doesn't have the patience to listen to yes they yes. find your people it's okay to feel lonely it's okay to feel like it's not worth mm-hmm. it but keep mm-hmm. swimming you got this kind of like what you know is on here so you got this so yes. um I'm glad you guys, you know, figured it out because it's 20 years and making life happen now. And, yeah. And I do know that you're married, you know, you have to. I am married. Tell mm-hmm. us quickly how you met your husband. And I know for a fact he's no Nigerian. So you can, you no, know, add not. that part as well. Okay. Um, a lot of people are like, so you're married. Uh, he's, he's white American. How do we meet? Oh, gosh. Um, we've been friends. Oh, okay. So while I was in school, I was a resident assistant in one of the off-campus dormitories, right? So while we were there, I mean, I met him, my husband. He worked, well, he lived there, and he was, the off-campus, off-campus housing was pretty much an international student housing. So we had people from all over the world. Girl, the kitchen was, uh, sometimes you walk by, you're like, what <laughs> is <food>. that? <laughs> sometimes you're like, oh my God, that's an Nigerian cookie kind of thing. <laughs> Jollof rice, yeah. <laughs> it is jollof rice, yes, definitely. But he loved international students. And I say that not because I was scoping him out, but one thing I knew, I didn't have a car then, but most of us who lived there knew, he. I mean, he had a car. If you were at Walmart and you needed someone to pick you up, he was about the only person you could call and he would pick you up. It did not matter what time of the day um. he called it. So everybody knew him as being very friendly and he would try anything you cook. Believe me. And he could cook. He could cook. The boy could throw it out. <laughs> so he would cook and he would have people over here. Tell me about um, your country. And when we had soccer games, he, I mean, we had a big old lounge where we watched TV and stuff. So he was always one of people out there kind of thing. So that's how I got to meet him. And um, some some people told me he had liked me a while back, and I was like, yeah, he's, he's nice to other people, so, yeah. yeah. So, um, when we started chit-chatting, we talked quite a bit here and there. We went, we ended up going to the same church. I actually invited him to church, and he started coming, and I graduated from school, and I left, I left Carbondale, I left Illinois, and he kept up with me. He's like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? I'm driving through town. Um, taking my family to a different city for vacation. What are you doing next to me? I'm like, oh, what's what, what up with that? You're not an Nigerian, so you're like, you're suspicious about everybody. Yeah. So. I tried um, the, ones with, the ones with good intentions. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. You're like, that's, you're too good to be true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just a bunch of suspicious people. <laughs> but that has saved, right? it has saved us a lot. I'll tell you, South yeah. Korea <laughs> yes. Everybody everybody is distrustful yeah. unless they prove themselves otherwise. <laughs> yes, yes. That is true. 
So he, um, we will talk, and then I guess he asked me out. Mm. I was like, oh, "Are you sure about this?" Kind of thing. I actually called my mom. I was like, uh, "Mom, I got this white dude. <laughs> what do you think?" Kind of thing. She's like, "Well, I mean, he's he's, he's respectful. He's got fearing. I say, yeah, he's really nice." He was about one of the. He was about one of the guys I actually had a decent conversation with. We talked about anything and everything, from food to soccer. And I mean, what Nigeria doesn't like soccer, which we call football, right? I know. We talked about anything and everything. So I said, I said, okay, I'll date you, and yes, the rest is. And how long has it been? We've been married five years, but we've been friends for over oh, over ten years. That's really nice. That's really nice. Yeah. So let's let me get a little bit generalistic here now. I mean the the typical you know um, assumption is that a lot of Nigerian parents are not quite excited at the thought of their children marrying foreigners. Mm-hmm. What was your and I know you probably wasn't applicable to your family, given that you know you're Americans and you mm-hmm. move back home. But was there any form of reaction from your family when you intended to marry someone that was? Not just only from different from your culture, but a whole nother continent. Yeah. Um from my mom my mom's family has been I call them the radical one because my grandpa had six daughters and four out of his six actually married out of state. So I have cousins who are Yoruba's houses, Igos, that kind of thing. So it's not uncommon for them but totally marrying a white person was like what's going on but they did accept him the cousins are the ones who told my mom are you crazy they never come back to nigeria what's that supposed to be and my brother is also married to an indian so it's totally like oh my god my mom has lost her mind that's pretty much what he told her so um i think my my mom which who is someone we love and respect because she's been the one who's been there for us mm. since our dad passed away. She she was fine with it. She, if, in our opinion, was if she didn't care, we didn't care. If the rest, you guys are just blowing hot air. And she yeah. was fine with it, and we went with it. Because like I told her, I called my mom like, hey, what do you think? Like, <laughs> fear God. If he fears God, he would love you and treat you with respect. And if he respects you, that's that's what you need. So and. Even though my mom's relationship with my dad was pretty short, he loved her like crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. I've heard stories of prior to them dating or what people said, and my dad didn't care. And for her not to have married, it had nothing to do with us telling, threatening her. It was just she loved him and she just said she didn't want to do it. Yeah. So when I listened to her, I listened to her, I, I guess, advice. And I went with it. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad you have that resource in your mom, and I'm glad it seems like you married your best friend. So you have two boys. Correct. And congratulations on your latest edition. I think that was quite recent, Thank right? You. you had a Thank COVID baby. Yes, I did have a COVID baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. If it, I mean, well, it's gonna do great things in life, but one of the things you can yeah. always say is, "I was born in the pandemic." You know that that's it. Yep. <laughs> so that and was how, pretty quick too. Oh really? So, what month was yeah. it? How long ago was it? This is just what he was born in July. Oh wow! Smart so, dab in the middle of the pandemic. No no no, 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 take that back. No, 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 take that back. He was born last month. 
This is October. Duh. Well, you're fresh. You're fresh. Uh, he's, what is September? He's fresh. He's fresh out of the oven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how are you holding up? How's it been? And, you know. And how old is your first one? He said he's a toddler. He's like three? Yes. He's, well, he's four. He just turned four, too. Um, okay. So, yeah. He's. How am I holding up? Girl, I'm praying. My husband is helping. Okay. So, um, I guess having been through this before. Now we uh, we know a little bit of what to do. Cause yeah. I mean, they tell you also that all children are different. Mm-hmm. So we're like, mm, we've done that. Mm, what do you do? So I call people. If I have, I have, I have a really good friend who's an older Nigerian, not too old, much older than I am, but she's got three boys too. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, what's this about? Kind of thing. And she's like, okay, check this. She's also a nurse. She's like, well, call your doctor here. So I'll be okay. You've done. This. Oh, come on so mm-hmm. it's just like encouraging me and all of that so so far so good yeah. oh, okay i've heard it said that no two kids have the same parents like you might have like i have two siblings and i bet that my experience growing up is different from the experience growing up and i think my parents did a good job in being fair but of course mm-hmm. you know the way you raise a kid it, you have to yeah. adjust based on temperament and personality mm-hmm. stuff so how and i know your your baby is still like your little one is still quite little but have you yeah. seen some discrepancies in New York personalities and have you given a thought as to how you might have to abuse or abound if you're dealing with one yeah. other one? Yeah, I I don't know, but the uh the rate that this new one is crying, I'm like, he's more of a woman, give me my food and give it now. <laughs> <laughs> you have just one job, woman. Keep quiet and bring the soup. <laughs> so, so I'm just like Huh, if he's not as patient as his older brother, how am I going to deal with this? Mm. So that's the one thing I am, I'm, I'm kind of like looking out for. But, um, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be flexible. I watch a lot of cartoons, so I try to use that as a, as a, as a teaching tool for myself mm. and my kids. Mm. So I'll give you an example. I think, there was one time my first, he, I can't remember what he was doing. I asked him to do something and he said something else. And I'm like, how do you know the story of Pinocchio? <laughs> Pinocchio, Pinocchio. He's like, what, mommy, what? I'm like, well, Pinocchio didn't tell the truth. And his nose grew, his nose grew really long. Mm-hmm. So, hey, if you don't do this, I'm, let's watch Pinocchio so you might learn from it. Kind of thing. So he's like, no, mommy, no, mommy, I'm okay. I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's just, I, I, I try to observe quite a bit and yeah. I try to pray. And my mom, she's a second of eight and she's also a, a teacher and I guess a professor. She's a people observer. So I always ask her mom, what do you think this is? And then she's like, hmm, you did that too. Like the one where I was crying about woman, give me my food, give me my, my kids, oh, give me my food, so give me my food. It's like, she's like, you did it. You did it. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She's like, oh yeah, you did it. This and you would stuff. cry. Don't mm-hmm. have me in your corner. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like, you would cry. Your twin brother would have to get up to boom so that you could eat. So, uh, it's okay. <laughs> hey, at least you don't have two people crying for your boobs <laughs> at the same time. Oh, 
for all intents and purposes, I'll call them third mm-hmm. culture kids. In that, yeah. you know, they are American. They also have a Nigerian component to them. Mm-hmm. And you being Nigerian and your spouse being, well, you coming from having that identity as, as a Nigerian in addition to all the other, you know, things you identify as. Are you, mm-hmm. are you thinking about teaching them, uh, like one of the Nigerian languages? I, I'm guessing mm-hmm. you speak, um, is it ethic or? I understand ethic, mm-hmm. but I speak local. Okay. Well, sorry, the Yakko dialect. The Yakko dialect, okay. Well, I, yeah. And so, is this something you're imbibing, you know, in them as well? Or what, I, I guess my real yes. question is, what part of our culture, and I, I don't mean to sound like very, you know, what part of our culture are you imbibing in your kids? Like, what is the Nigerian part of you that you would like to pass on to your kids? I think the Nigerian part of me that I would like to pass on is the humility and the respecting of elders. Because okay, yeah. um, there is so much, um, I would say my observation, okay, I, I come from a large, I have a large extended family. The five of us who grew up when my grandparents were alive behaved much different towards my aunts and my uncles than the ones who were born after they were born. Mm. So I would say with the with DSTV, with Google, every generation is different. And we just with watching what's going on with the entire movement and the social yeah. media and stuff. Which is a beautiful thing in itself that we can speak up now compared to before you saving face or you didn't say anything about anything that is bad about your elders. Mm-hmm. So um, what that's the respect I would love to teach because it's kind of helped me out while I'm while I've been here. Respect not being you cower down to people and have them walk all over you. You respect when you know who you are, and then. You can be, you can be somebody, you can help somebody else and they can help you. Mm-hmm. So that part I would love to pass on. Um, with, um, the yeah. dialect, yeah. the dialect part of it is, it's a little bit, I speak Luka or the Yaka dialect, but with a lot of English mixed into it. The beautiful thing about the Yoruba culture, the Igbo culture is you guys have a lot of things written down. But the Yaka dialect was more of a spoken oh, one. Oh, and, oh, yes. So most of the words, like my name, if you ask me, my grandma is passed away. I can't really ask her after that. So um, it's most of it is an oral dialect. And my mom said being born here, an example is being born here. She was she would speak the dialect. And then when we went to daycare, then we would say like words like, oh, that toy is oily, meaning that toy is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we would mix up English and the dialect, <laughs> and the teachers would call and say, what's oily? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I mean, they do know if he was, he knows when he misbehaves, and I say, but I'm not about old, he knows, mm-hmm. okay, mommy says, behave, behave yourself, yeah. kind of thing. Oh, so I am, you. <laughs> yep. So, um, I am trying to add the dialect, but it's more, it's more of a, it's not the first thing I'm doing, which sometimes yeah. I do wish I knew more of it. Because most of I, I now, if I call my mom, I over the phone, I'm speaking to her in the dialect, but I have a lot of English mixed in. Mm-hmm. And just going home in January to bury my younger brother, a lot of people are like, you still speak the dialect? I'm like, dude, I'm Nigerian. What do you think I should speak? English? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> so I'm trying to do that. And then the food, of course, my... Little one loves rice and stew. And if you ask him what do you want to eat, he'll first tell you rice and stew. <laughs> so I try to add 
I mean, it's not, I don't want to force it because I don't want it to be when they're old, they're like something my mom wanted us, wanted us to do. But I want them to do it's a way of life, it's who you are. There's no, um, there's no, oh, my, my friends are Nigerian, so I have to do this. But no, you are also Nigerian. Forget the fact that you're born here. It's, it's not, it's not easy, but I'm hoping down the road, by the time they're 15, they would always say, this is, I can see it and I don't have to like try yeah. to inscribe it. Yeah. yeah. And they, they have an appreciation of it. Cause mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're skin color and you know, just the way they look. Yeah. Like, all right. Tells the story already. It's just you yeah. helping them to fit in those pieces. And mm-hmm. so let's talk a little bit about your career. Okay. And you are a histotechnologist. And right. I know it's a science that, you know, digs deep into the like, tissue abnormalities. And mm-hmm. so it's part of the allied health. How did yes. you forge into that path? And you're like the first histotechnologist I'm ever meeting. How did you get into that oh. part? And, and what has it been like for you? I, when I was in school, um, there's no Nigerian you talk to who would tell you I want. Uh, there's no Nigerian you would talk to who would not tell you they wanted to be a medical doctor, right? <laughs> so, Except this one. <laughs> Except you. Oh well, you want to be that. So I know growing up, I had said I want to be a doctor, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a doctor. But when I came to the U.S., I was like, eh, too much school, man. And then the fees <laughs> and all of that. And I had, I think, I wasn't doing as well as I wanted to grade wise in school so i was like i'm not i'm not going to go that route there's just too much going on kind of thing so how did i get into it i needed a job i'll put it that way i worked in the lab on campus and i had worked in the research lab and the research lab was um they were studying slugs like i did not really like it and I was like, God, I need something that I would love and I need something that would pay me while I'm in school. So I stumbled upon histology because it was a federal work study job. You've been in school, you've been in the US, so you know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a federal work study um, job that was open. And I saw the flyer and I went upstairs to where it was and I, was, I met the lady, Maureen, who I call my American mom now. And I applied for a job, actually got it, and she showed me what histology was about. Maureen made it fun, because most of the time you pick up your biology textbook, you're like, oh, the eye is red and <laughs> blue and yellow. I'm like, oh, okay, somebody painted it that way. That's what I always thought. And then she's like, oh, no, 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 here, let's do this. So she would, would do the staining part of it, yeah. and I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at that. It's exactly like the textbook, and I fell in love that. I always remember the moment that I'm like, I was hooked. So when I was done with school, because I knew I was not, I wanted, I needed a job. I was like, I got to work, I got bills to pay. So did you major in biology then, or was your major? Yes, yes. I had a physiology major and a minor in chemistry. Okay. So I, um, I needed a job and I knew I was like, I was not going to take the MCAT or anything I wanted to work for. So, um, Maureen was like, why didn't you check the Histology Society website and see if they find a job? This was while I was in Illinois, and I did apply for the job, and I got the job, like, almost immediately. I got out of school, like, two weeks later, I, was start, I started work, kind wow. of thing. Wow. So, and being, now being in the clinical part of things, I was like, oh, this is better than being a medical doctor. Now, I could help the pathologist, 
who I thought were the actually I didn't know then. Now and I, I think the pathology team is what helps the surgeons and the medical doctors do their diagnosis and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much more fun, and <laughs> I've been I've been there ever since. Yeah. Yeah. So you do love it. It sounds like that. I love it. Yep. Yes. There's so much. There is, there is, histology has so much. You can work with animals. You can work, um, with humans. And there's also, I have, from what I heard, there's also the chemical part of things too. Yeah, I'm more of a human. I want to help people. So that's <laughs> where I, uh, yeah. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about your podcast. You have your Zara podcast and mm-hmm. you talk about faith, you talk about family. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what made you go into podcasting and how long have you had that for? I would say I've had it just about a year. Congratulations. Um, thank you. What made me go into podcasting? Trying to figure things out. Um, so I just moved, then I just moved to Florida and I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta do something other than, I was, I was at a spot, I would say I was at a spot in my life where I was just like, I'd have to do something or else. I'd, I'd, I'd get myself in trouble in that. I would quit work and just find something that I love. I love histology, but I was in a job where the people I worked with were toxic. Mm. So getting into podcasting was my own way of escaping that. Escaping that. <clears throat> and it also uh, was my own way of, then I had just had my kid who I think he just turned, my first he just turned maybe about two. And it kind of had me looking at life in a different way the only thing i know about my dad is pictures mm. and that everybody says my twin looks like him that's the only thing i know about my father because he died when we was so young so when i had my kid it got me thinking what am i leaving behind mm. um am i going to be would, would it just be pictures or would it just be hearsay so i thought maybe by podcasting because I'm really shy, I'm not into YouTube as much. Getting into podcasting, I thought maybe I could tell a little bit about me, mm-hmm. about our family, and also maybe a little bit about my culture. Because my kids, yes, they're Americans, yes, they have English names and Nigerian middle names. At the same time, I want them, I don't want them or their children in a couple of years from now to be like, so what is, what was grandma like? Yeah. What was what was great about my life? Questioning the identity. I thought getting the podcasting and recording my voice and maybe our story could help preserve that. So that was why and how I got into it. Huh. So that 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 was for me. I don't know. Probably maybe. No, 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 no. I've had. I've, I'm a podcaster, right? And I've yeah. talked to a lot of other podcasters. And when they always tell me why they get started, mm. you never know what you're gonna hear. And in Having the privilege to hear your story, so thinking about how, for example, your language is so oral that if you're not careful, it's gonna become extinct. So you mm-hmm. trying to, I can see, so I can see why having a podcast is very important to you because it's mm-hmm. almost like a part into the future, like a time mm-hmm. machine trying to like make sure that number one, you are finding a way to add to that narrative of preserving your culture, and number two, mm-hmm. losing your dad at a very young age, and not you know you don't have a video of him. You probably don't remember what he looks yeah. like. Just his pictures. I I don't. It's more important for you yeah. to, to have something for posterity's sake. Just because. And I think that's that's yeah. quite beautiful. 
you know, you're doing it for yourself. You know that there's a bigger purpose in that. You want to yeah. have this process along the way for your kids. Yeah. Purpose starts. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those that have kids or without kids, those who want to hear more about food, lifestyle, blogging, and all that kind of stuff. I highly recommend her podcast. It's okay, you know very yeah. easy to listen, and they're quite super short, unlike mine. But where can people find your podcast? Then <laughs> <laughs> they can find it. It's on Apple. It's on uh, Spotify. It's on Anchor too. I think for the most part, you can find it everywhere. Yeah. Um, podcast that can be listened to. I I, I get the um, I'm trying to streamline it to um, to include a lot more than just kids, family, and work, but just depends on the season of life i'm in and then i try to talk about that yeah i love that you know even my po- even though my podcast is about culture you know for blacks Asians, and those one of them mm-hmm. you want to be specific but not too specific that you know boxes on yes. the corner there's always you know several things to talk about um mm-hmm. so i like that thanks for sharing that so you you're a mom you're a wife you're a professional mm-hmm. you're a podcast um host i think you have so you're a daughter you're a sister you're a sister you know you have so many hats you're wearing how do you manage to integrate all of those parts of your life? And then the final question to that would be, how do you, how does Isana give back to Isana? Um, I, how do I manage it? I pray. Because at mm-hmm. times I'm like, y'all look crazy, kind of thing. And I just walk away. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm crazy for doing all of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, first thing I pray. And then the other thing is, I kind of, I try to live in the moment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's hard to do that because I'm like, all right, let's do this and let's um, let's go somewhere else. When I got, I would say when I got married and when I had my first kid, I started trying to be more focused in the things I am doing at that time. It's very easy to be like. Oh, I don't want my friends. I'll take coming prior to getting married. Like, I don't want my friends to get angry. I gotta call them. Oh my gosh. Oh, I haven't called them. Let me do this. Oh my gosh. I have to do this. So when I got married, I was like, Oh, you gotta come on. You have to. What's important? Focus on what is important at the mm-hmm. moment. Kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. So that's how I've tried to do what the many things that I do. I'm not gonna say. I've mastered them all, or I have perfected it. I have not, believe me. I could do better in some, but now I, I try to focus in one thing at a time. Because I'll give you an example. Being a supervisor, there's so much to do at work. It's very easy to bring the work home. But now that I've got kids, I'm like, uh, sorry, it's gotta be at work. I'm living at work. I'm not taking anything home because I want to spend time with my kids, kind of thing. I don't want to. I don't want to be like, buddy, I, I, don't get me wrong, there are times I do it, I'm like, go play with your dad, let me finish this. There are mm-hmm. times I do that when I have deadlines to me and stuff. But other than that, I'm like, no, it's family time, let's see family time. It's time, to, it's time to hang, and I, I, I thank God for my husband, once in a while, he's like, <coughs> he's like, what? Then he kind of reminds me, he's like, hey, what about this? This is also important to you. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, thank God for people who could tell you stuff like that and i try to yeah i try to fix what he's reminded me of so um how do i make time for me i i cook i cook that's my me time because i make something i want to (laughs) eat that's that's how i take care of myself and i bake 
it's not uh, uh i have a terrible sweet tooth so what i try to do is bake so i cut out the sugar instead of buying it yeah so that's my me time because then i i get in my zone where i'm like mm-hmm, okay yeah. oh the end is all brown is oh my god nice warm straight out of the oven with nice coffee Ooh, that's nice. just me nice. so that's how i do me time which I would say I just started recently. I didn't used to do that. Mm. I used to be everywhere and do everything for everybody before me. So now that's that. And then I'm trying to involve stuff like um, doing facials, doing um, going get my nails done, which I'm still trying to get used to yeah. getting them done. But I'm, not the facials, guilty. Like, I'm not feeling guilty about it. Yes, yeah. getting my head done, sitting six hours for it, and not feeling guilty for it. Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. So that's what I'm trying to get into. I stumbled into Korean skincare products, girl. Chang. Yes. yes. The dieting ten steps. Yes. Having kids is not easy, so I lock myself <laughs> in the bathroom and do it. Go <laughs> <laughs> for it. So, approved. Approved by this one. <laughs> yes. So that's that's. I just like I said, I just discovered that probably about a year ago now. Yeah. So that's my other thing. I'm gonna treat myself to stuff. Put a mask on. I actually took a picture of it. And my son is like, What is that? <laughs> yeah, they are the so, best. They are the best. Yeah. Um, I was done with all my questions, but I just have this, you know, one that dropped in my heart and it and I okay. thought about it particularly listener in mind. So okay. I know you've experienced monumental loss, like losing your dad and then your brother last year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in speaking to a couple of my friends, especially those who've lost their parents, there's mm-hmm. a way it kind of like changes your outlook on life. And mm-hmm. I asked this in particular for a friend of mine who lost her dad okay. at a young age as well. And her okay. mom had to step up and her mom never remarried and all that. But okay. she talks about the fear of death. There's always that fear of death like hovering around. Especially yes. when you consider the age of your one parent died and you mm-hmm. think and if you surprised that you're close to that there's always mm-hmm. that anxiety of you know mm-hmm. hmm, could this happen to me or could this happen to somebody mm-hmm. that i love like my spouse mm-hmm. how do you you know um do you did you ever experience that or do you experience that and if you do how do you you know pass through that because i don't think it's something that you know can go away quickly it might it might it might dispel in one moment but it's usually something i think might still be at the back of your mind so my dad daddy my dad died in February. My younger brother was born in August. Mm-hmm. And from what I've heard, my younger brother actually died right about exact same age as my dad died. Mm-hmm. So that that I think that was it's, it's. I mean, my mom is trying. My mom is doing her best. Uh, she's one of the strongest people I know, mm-hmm. considering what my younger brother had been through and how she was powering through it. Kind of thing. Us being my twin and I being here, her being in Nigeria, my younger brother, and it's it's just uh yeah. So yes, to answer your question, yes, the question of death is always there. And with my brother passing away when he did, it it does still come to be okay. My twin and I have passed that age when my younger when my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we cope or how what do we do? We pray. I mean, I mean. I'm a person of faith, mm-hmm. my, so is my brother, and I would say we've seen and been through quite a bit to know that God has been or God is our stay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that has also been, I guess, the question of that is also the reason why, like I said, having something for the kids to listen to, God forbid yeah. anything happen. Um, you pray and you know that you, you, t- you try to enjoy life, not, I guess, not being careless in enjoying life, but accept the moment you're in. Mm-hmm. So, like, right now, I am learning to enjoy my kids and not say, come on, we gotta go to Disney tomorrow or else there'll be no Disney. <laughs> it's just like, no, we don't have money for Disney now. Hey, we'll make Disney at home. We'll watch Disney movies, we build stuff with pillows and because th- that's what they remember. Mm-hmm. Okay, my grandpa passed away when, like, the first year I came to the U.S., my young cousin had a hole in her heart and she, her heart gave up. She pretty much passed away then. That's when I flunked out of school. My GPA never recovered after that. So I was like, medical school, forget this. So all of that. But what I remember is the time spent with my grandpa. He stepped in when my dad passed away. And mm-hmm. I usually, the last one, like, he was the one I knew as dad. That was the matter mm-hmm. figure I knew. And this is your and your dad's dad or your mom's dad? My mom's dad. Okay. My, my mom's maternal dad. grandpa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember those memories. My young cousin who passed away, I remember those memories. My brother passed away, I remember those memories. So I'm lear- I learned or I'm learning to enjoy now because, yes, death is inevitable. Everybody will pass away. Mm-hmm. There's really, I guess, that and trying to encourage yourself. And I have to be strong for my mom. I don't want her to go through another heartbreak. Mm-hmm. So now you're like with your friend who, with your friend who's experienced loss, they try, they motivate themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't pretend it, it's not there. You do stuff to show others. Like, I mean, I called my mom, I've called her like five times today between waking up and now with all that's going on in Nigeria. So she said, Hey, mom, how are you doing? Are you eating today? What's going on? What I'm tired. Why are you tired? Are you mm-hmm. are you sick? What is it? So you just you look for something to keep you going, and that's also what my mom is doing too. I guess to keep her going. For her, she said when my dad passed away, she had three young kids, and that was what kept her going. Mm-hmm. So you try to you try to encourage yourself, you try to motivate yourself, mm-hmm. and that's I mean that's that's what you do. I'm not I don't think it's easy. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a solution to it, but you know. Mm-hmm. You just do it. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, um, that encouraging one. And I'm sure my friend listening to this, I'm sure she's going to be encouraged by that. And then finally, Kentucky mm-hmm. says, how and yeah. why? <laughs> I know you guys have the Kentucky Derby. And I live in Oklahoma. I, know. I love Kentucky I know, yeah. I know. But how and how long have you been living there? What's it I've like? I've been here since 2007. Oh, so it's a conscious effort to actually keep staying there. No, no, I've moved to Chicago, I've moved to Florida, and I came right back. Wow. Yeah. If I didn't, if yeah. I didn't know that you were a, 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 a praying Christian, I'll have seen these village people. So what's the part of Kentucky? Let me laugh like a bushel. <laughs> what's in Kentucky? Oh wow. <laughs> what's uh, Kentucky? You know what? It's funny you say that because a lot of people, a lot of people actually say, are you crazy? What? Are you black or white? Because I don't think right? I'm not, I'm not talking about your skin color, you know. I live in a no. I don't think I ever want to come back here if I have to live here. Like, I'm yeah. done and dusted. Like, where's, where's the next adventure at? 
you know. So, so I guess my question to you is why, why, what is it about Kentucky hair that you are wondering why am I in Kentucky hair? Well, uh, you know what? Let me just be very frank with you. When I hear uh-huh. about Kentucky, I don't think it's a place. From and I know this is probably wrong, and it's not uh-huh. quite true. They don't think it's a place where black people, you know, should be like. Like cautiously, mm. you can find yourself there, mm. but it's like live as soon as you can. And I know it's mostly yeah. rural. I mean, I live in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is mostly rural as well. It's just uh-huh. very fascinating to me that you actually went to Chicago. Chicago uh-huh. being one of the meccas for Nigerians and Africans. Like, I Girl, have people I that are from that so proud. <laughs> I mean, people people be like, you're crazy. Honestly, I did not like living in Chicago. I'm from Lagos. I've seen all kinds of traffic. I ain't coming to the U.S. to replicate that. Why can't talk, you know? What's, what's about it? You came back there, which is very fascinating. Work. And I just work. Said, oh, work. work. Oh, okay. Work. So, so we, we moved, we moved to Florida. I'm, we moved to Chicago for work. And it's like, hey, I don't know if I want to do this. And we left to Florida because of work. And it's like, it didn't work out. And we move back to uh, we move back to Louisville. I I mean uh, it's not a I put it this way. Calabar was Calabar has the acronym come and leave and be at rest. Then <laughs> if you right. ever heard that. No, never heard so, it. Thank you, Thank you. Yeah, it's Calabar is uh it's I'll say it's in between Capacot, in between Lagos. Mm. So you find everything you need in Calabar. It's not as crazy as Lagos and it's not as Backward, like it's not like a backward, like you know, similar places. Yeah. So being in Louisville, I think that's a good mix between it's mellow, it's smack in the middle. If I want to go to Cincinnati, I can be there in a hobby. If I want to go to St. Louis, I can be there in a hobby. If I want to go to Chicago, I can be there in six hours. Hey, it's not that bad. But we haven't had haven't had any problems being here. I know just the recent the Breonna Taylor stuff. Yeah. Um, it happens. I would say. I've actually, I've actually had a better experience living in Louisville than I did when I was in Florida and or Chicago. A lot of people might not believe that. I mean, the toxic place, the toxic workplace in Florida might have been as a result of someone thinking they were better than me. And you can find it. Yeah, you can. But at the end, is is when you let them think they are. But when you show them, oh my, I've been there person. Cannot you can you know they carry last. So forget what you're thinking yeah. because it will not work, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so far, um, Louisville has been good to me, and I've been here since 2007. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. Now I know. Now I know. I know. I know. Yeah, a lot of people are like, are you crazy? Like, yeah, I mean, there are crazy people everywhere because it's like, it's the South. It's the South. I'm like, well, no. But I guess that I always say like a $10 in Oklahoma City is going to go far and stretch out widely than $10 mm-hmm. in any of those Chicago. Because you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're living, you know, champagne life on a Zobo Thank you. So. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, I want to say thank you so much for um, being on the show, for availing of yourself. And I got to know a lot more about you, your passion for family. And I also got to hear, you know, just what drives you. And I wish you the very best in all of your endeavors. And congrats thank on you. the new baby and all of that. So thank you so much. Thanks, Mel. All right, guys. So that was the episode with Ezra. Don't forget to check out more episodes where this came from. Um, and keep sharing with your friends and family as well. 
And as always, I remain your host, Miss This has been another episode of the Miss Podcast. Bye.